0: Um, Father God, I come to you this morning, and you are the creator of the world, you're the creator of the universe, you're the creator of our bodies. You know um, how to do rest, and we need you this morning. And uh, Jesus Christ, you are the great redeemer, and on the cross, you gave us true, ultimate spiritual rest. We need you this morning. And Holy Spirit, you make that rest real to every person here, and we need you too. Let us rest in the almighty Savior, and in his name we pray, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Um, The passage that we're going into today, it means uh, so much to me. It really does. And I'll I'll tell you... uh, part of the reason why, for most of my life, I know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord of my work. I don't know if you can relate to what I'm saying, but um, uh, my, my father was a, a huge tiger dad, and so he really pushed me, and so <laughs> a lot of my work ethic comes from him. But here's the thing, in, in my work, there is not one day that goes by where I do not feel inadequate or insufficient. Like I'm in meeting with people, um, sermon prep, I always feel like I need help. And so I feel like it's very natural for me to be at work and be like, God, I really need your help. But then here's the thing. I would notice that on my day off, which is Monday... I will kind of like do this, like, Lord, you are so helpful uh, all six days of work, all five days of work. And um, so, so thank you, and I will see you later. Like, I'll see you tomorrow. And I know to the core of my being, there's something very wrong with that, that I've been doing that. But then here's the thing, after the day of rest, I don't really, if I'm honest, feel that well-rested. And so, it's almost like for the past 10 years, Jesus has been saying to me, you know me as the Lord of work, now come and discover me as the Lord of rest. You come to me asking for help with your work, and that's great. Now come to me and ask me to help you rest. Because the God who created one is also the God who created the other. And if there is anyone that knows how to deeply, deeply rest you, it's this man right here. It's Jesus. And so the big idea that we got for you from this passage that we're going into today is this. Jesus Christ is the Lord of rest. If there is anyone who knows how to rest you, all of you, all of you, I'm not just talking physical, I'm talking spiritual, I'm talking emotional. If there's one person in the universe that knows how to deeply, deeply rest you, it's Jesus Christ. Come to him and find the rest that you desperately need. That, that's the big idea. Now, here's what we're going to do. For the, for the first half of this message, we're going to see Jesus come into a situation where people don't know how to rest. The rest um, in the context of, of, this, of, of these people, it's all messed up. Jesus is going to come and drop this big corrective, okay? Now, and then the second half of the message, I'm going to do my best to take the lessons that we've learned from Jesus and apply it to a different context. Uh, to another context where people don't know how to rest and their rest is all messed up, okay? I'm talking about us, okay? (laughs) Right here in this room. And uh, I do my best to apply the lessons that we've learned from Christ. So that's where we're going. Now, to better understand the story that Jesus is coming into, you got to understand a thing or two about the Pharisees, okay? Now, the, the culture that Jesus is stepping into, the show was run by the Pharisees. And um, here's the thing, I've heard it said that whenever you, like, this is applicable in many different situations, if you ever meet a person and they have a very extreme kind of uh, way of living or an extreme um, take on things, there's always, if you peel behind the layers, there's always a story behind it, right? Now, if you look at the Pharisees, they're very extreme, if you you really look into the Pharisees, you're going to see, sure enough, there's a story behind it. So I I just want to start off and tell you their story. Now, the story of the Pharisees has everything to do with what happened to Israel. Uh, God gave Moses the law, including keeping the Sabbath holy. And Israel broke the law. They broke the law. They were so unfaithful to God. And if you read Isaiah, if you read Ezekiel... If you read Jeremiah, there was a tremendous consequence for having broken the law. The whole nation went into exile. They were torn apart from their homeland. They suffered so much. And after being in exile for 70 years, they finally came back to Israel. But they came back to Israel under the reforms of Nehemiah and Ezra. But they came back with this really steely resolve. And if they had it put it to a motto, it was probably something like, never again. Never again are we going to break God's law. Never again are we going to break the Sabbath. Never again. Because look what happened to us. It's never going to happen again. And so they created a new line of professional experts in the law. They were the scribes and the teachers of the law. And so it started off very pure, very innocent. But over time, you add a, a lot of human nature to it. over time, they were so focused on keeping the law, so focused on the minutia, they missed the point entirely, or put it a different way. They were so focused on the practice that they lost sight of the principle. Now, it's not hard to understand how they got there because really practical people want to know how do you keep the law. A lot of practical people in this room. And if our goal is never break the Sabbath again, then I bet you there's a bunch of people in this room They go, Well, what do you mean? Can you spell it out for me? right?" So, like, on the Sabbath day, you're supposed to rest. And then a really practical person says, Well, can I, you know, you imagine a hand raises up and go, Well, and can I go to the well and get some water? And then the Pharisees, who are the teachers of the wall, were like, Well, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. And then someone else raises their hand and go, Well, how far can I go? Right? And then the Pharisees are talking amongst themselves, like, How about to the city wall and back? Well, how far is the city wall? Uh, Someone measured it. It's 2,000 cubits. Okay, so that was the law. On the Sabbath, you can't walk more than 2,000 cubits. Does anyone know how far 2,000 cubits is? 1,200 steps. Anyone have a Fitbit? Today, I have walked uh, 2,000 steps. I've already broken the Sabbath. Okay, I don't know what I did this morning... But apparently, I already broke it. Um, But then they're on a roll. Okay, can you you please further clarify? Oh, yeah, okay. So they came up with 11 rules about the production and preparation of bread. No sowing, no plowing, no reaping, no binding. 11 rules. How about 12 rules about the preparation of clothing? You can't do this, you can't do that. You can't carry a thread or needle on the Sabbath. You cannot look into a mirror fixed to a wall. You cannot light a candle. Ah, but, 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 if you have a chicken that lays an egg on the Sabbath, you can take that egg, you can sell it to a Gentile, and ask the Gentile for the price of the egg to light your candle for you. Now, this is all real stuff. This is real. So here the Pharisees are so focused on the minutiae of the law, they missed the entire point. It was a big adventure on missing the point. And I want you to imagine, you're an ancient Israelite. The teachers of the law are running the show. They say, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't do this. Don't carry a needle or thread. Don't walk over 1,200 steps. You can't light a candle. And you are a hard-working ancient Israelite. Jewish person, you've worked six days, you're tired, and then on this seventh day, you're thinking, I have to work even harder to make sure I don't break one of these laws. It was a big burden taxed onto people who were already burdened, and here comes Jesus into this context. And now we pick up in verse 23, the Savior comes. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So plucking the heads of grain, probably rolling it, getting rid of the chaff, like picking out the kernels. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, look, why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, remember the 11 rules about production of bread, right? No sowing, no plowing, no reaping, no buying. Did you miss it? No reaping. You guys are reaping. You're reaping. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, in the time of Abiathar, the high priest. And he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat. And he also gave to those who were with him. Remember that? Remember that? All right, now, real quick. The the situation that Jesus refers to with David was a situation of need. David was on the run from King Saul. He was really hungry. And so he ate, quote-unquote, communion bread. Holy bread, designated for the priest. David took it, and he ate it because he was in need. Now, I would imagine, by the way, the Pharisees would respond and say, you know, what David did was an exception to the rule. It was a special case. It was an emergency. What your disciples are doing is just plain disregard for Sabbath keeping. So, Jesus goes on to clarify the very principle, the very purpose of the Sabbath which they have entirely missed. So it's like, let me remind you what the whole point, the whole purpose, the whole principle of the Sabbath is. Now, before before we go there, remind is probably not the word. It's more like clarify. Let me explain, actually, the original intent of the law. Arguably, is he changing it? Well, he's fulfilling it. He's actually bringing back the true intention of God. Here it is. And he said to them, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he's like, let's be clear about the principle of the Sabbath. Here's the big idea. This day is for you. This day is a gift. What you guys are doing is making man for the Sabbath, extrapolating the law, extrapolating... No, 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 you're missing the point. This day is for you. It's a gift. The Sabbath was made for man. In the words of Kevin DeYoung... This day is an island of get-to in a sea of have-to. How many of you feel like your lives is a sea of have-to? Well, this is the day. This is the island. This is the oasis. It's a day of get-to. That's the principle. That's the big idea. This day is to feed you. The disciples were plucking heads of grain because they were hungry. They're They're getting fed. This day is to refresh you this day is to restore you this day of all days after you live this day it's it's supposed to have the effect of just going ah you know like you put the, you know the, the really hard noodle into the, the pot of boiling and it just ah. it, it's, it's supposed to be like that now uh, <clears throat> okay jesus clarifies the purpose it's a gift for humankind But you know something, he doesn't necessarily clarify it in a comprehensive way. And and if you want to understand, like, what are the movements of Sabbath, you just have to look at the rest of the council of Scripture. I'm going to give you a really quick summary. Here it is. Sabbath is for your good to provide opportunity for worship and to provide rest from labor. Let me hear you guys say opportunity for worship. Let me hear you guys say, rest from labor. Okay. Now well, I want you to look at 28. I, I, I love verse 28. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. 28, he says, so the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. By the way, we're going through Mark, right? And remember in chapter 1, uh, Jesus is showing us the range of his authority. And so his authority extends to your body. He has Lord, he is Lord and authority over your body to heal all diseases. And then you, then in chapter 2, not only over your body, but he is Lord and has authority to forgive your sins. And then here, boom, in chapter 3, not only over your body, not only does he call people and he has lordship over people, not only does he have authority to forgive your sins, but he even has authority to give you definitive rest. Even in this, even in your deep need for rest, he has authority there as well. I uh, used to think that this verse means that Jesus has authority to determine the use of the Sabbath, but I've come to learn that it means more than that. Not only is he the one who explains it to you, but he's also the one to give it to you. And when he gives it to you, it's not just to yourself, but it's through himself. And those are important points and important themes And I think for the rest of the message, we're going to come back to some of these themes. So, okay, quick review. The Pharisees are running the culture back in the day. The way that they do rest is all jacked up. Jesus walks into the story, says, you're missing it, you're missing it. And he comes to restore the rest. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine what Jesus might do or what Jesus might say if he were to, like, open the door walk down the aisle, be right here, look in front of you, I wonder what he would say. Looking in our context right here. uh, We live in one of the craziest, busiest places in the world. I don't know if you knew that. There is a Japanese word called karoshi. um, And it means death by work. Okay? So apparently there's a word, so you're overworking to the point that healthy men and, I, and women will drop dead at their desk, and they have a word for that. We don't have a word for that, but they have a word for that. Did you know that they did this international study to see which country leads the world in work hours? It's not Japan. Guess who leads the world in work hours? It's the U.S., and here's the thing, added on to that, if you live in the Bay Area, the cost of living is just so high. And so if there's two parents or two spouses, they're probably both working. And so now you've got two parents who have low margin, and you've got two parents that are commuting. They did one study that said that commuters experience greater levels of stress than fighter pilots and riot police. Think that's true? Is that life in the Bay Area? And uh, here's the thing if you're constantly in this place of low margin, it results in a very low quality of life. Wayne Codera writes about this, and he describes the symptoms of living life constantly with no margin depression, sense of hopelessness, difficulty concentrating, irritability, insomnia, you feel alone. Your marriage suffers. Your primary relationships are suffering. You've missed your quiet times. You're impatient with your kids. You take your spouse for granted. You have these important relationships, and you give them leftovers. You don't feel like in your heart you're loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. In short, you feel like your life sucks. Back then, you had a culture where they were way into the practice, you know? And they totally lost sight of the principle. It's interesting, in our culture, we have totally lost sight of the practice. Maybe that's good. But we've also totally lost sight of the principle. So it makes me wonder, what would Jesus say if he were to come into our context? I think Jesus would probably Take us back to creation and explain the rhythm of God, six days work, seven days rest, probably. Let me hear you guys say six days work, sorry, six days work, but don't say it with a a lisp. Six Six days work, one day rest, six days work, one day rest. Okay, what does that sound like? Doesn't that sound like a rhythm? I imagine that this rhythm of six days work, one day rest, clearly is in Genesis 1 and 2. Clearly, it's a rhythm for life. Now, I just wonder if Jesus would actually, looking at you, take out a drum... And just say something like this six days work, one day rest. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like this one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. 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 Extra day of rest. And one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. One, two, okay. No- notice something, notice something. That sounds pretty nice, right? That sounds pretty nice. Okay, now, now here's the, notice the one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. And then the one of the six, notice that it's a refreshed one. Why? Uh, because of the rest. Uh, notice something. The one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. That six has more quality. It has more life. It has more oomph. It has more vitality. Why? Well, because of the rest. You mean the rest adds to the whole? Yeah. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the Bay Area, a lot of people live like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is your life. That's, that's, okay, okay. Did that sound as good? No, every beat was monotonous, boring. It's, hit. it's just like the last 20 is all the same. Yeah, your life has no rhythm. Is that your life? This doesn't sound good, does it? Now, honestly, a lot of us, the, the pace of life, is more like this. Hey, Woo! Okay, you get my point. Okay. God has created you to dance and to have rhythm. And a lot of us don't know how to dance. Read that on multiple levels, it's true. (laughs) There is a heavenly rhythm. I I imagine Jesus would pick out a drum and be like, hey, people, uh, your lives don't sound good. And God created your life to be sustainable and for the six days to have vitality. And that's how he designed you. Now, if he created you, then don't you think he knows how you best work? Doesn't he want to bring out the best in you? Doesn't he want your your life to be filled with good things, good relationships? Doesn't he want your heart to beat with passion for him? Well, then he created your life to move a certain way. How about it? Now, um... <clears throat> okay, one day out of seven, right? And uh, let's talk more about that one day out of seven that is for what? It's for worship and it's for rest. It's for worship and it's for rest. Now, let me explain why worship. If the ultimate purpose of, of your life, working, resting, if the ultimate purpose is as defined by the Westminster Catechism to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Then it seems to me, and as I read the entire scripture, that the priority in one day of seven is spiritual rest. That the priority of Sunday is to be refreshed spiritually, to be connected to God, to worship. Now, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe some people are being honest, be like, you know something? Uh, I, sometimes I just feel like Sunday worship isn't restful to me, spiritually, then I would just humbly invite you, every time you come to church, you you make your way down the aisle, you sit down, as soon as you sit down, I would encourage you to just pray a small prayer. And it goes like this. Jesus, your Lord of the Sabbath, help me to find spiritual rest. Jesus, your Lord of the Sabbath, help me to find spiritual rest. Like, my spiritual rest this morning totally depends upon you. You're Lord of the Sabbath. Teach me. Help me. And then just see what he does. I bet you if you come in with that spirit of dependency, God's going to meet you here. Now, after church, I would just encourage you for the rest of the day just to fill it. Some of you have young families, so it's much harder to do that. You know, your days are filled with doing stuff for the kids. I totally get that. Uh, It's hard. It's really hard. But how about on this day of rest, just filling it with at least one thing that you get to do? Just at least one thing that you get to do. Maybe you sit at your desk all week, and so on Sunday, you just want to go for a jog. Okay, maybe not most of you. Maybe what you want to do is you want to take a nap, Maybe what you want to do is eat that food that you've been craving all week. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath, uh, which means that the Sabbath is a gift to rest and to worship. Alex Pang calls one form of rest deep play. And um, he defines it as an activity where you get to utilize some of the same skills that you do at work, except it's an environment of fun and the rewards are high. So, for example, Winston Churchill, as stressed out as he was, during his quote-unquote Sabbath, during his rest, he loved to paint. I don't know if you knew that about Winston Churchill. J.R. Tolkien, in his time off, you know what he used to love to do? He wrote the, the trilogy for Lord of the Rings. You know, that's what he did, right? But he would, he would love to write fantasy. And so that's what he did. Some people love to compose music. Some people love to draw. Break out the cello. Even, sing. Go rock climbing. Go fishing. Go hiking. Be in nature. Go mountain biking. Plant a garden. Learn to cook. Cook something. Give it to me. I mean, it's all good, Right? And as you do these things, just ask the Lord of the Sabbath to help you rest. Okay. here was a home group discussion because we were talking about this passage and rest at home group. Someone said, hey, is it okay to watch The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones on my day off during the Sabbath? And... um, We voted, the answer is no. Okay, next question. Um, Here's the thing once I answer that and I start to say, you you can't do this, what do I sound like? I, I sound like the Pharisee. So I have to be very careful in my response. But here's the thing here's the thing. Let's not get overly focused on the practice. Let's talk about the principle. What's the principle? What's the principle of the Sabbath? Well, it's worship and it's rest. And then what if the form of rest that I choose pulls away from the worship? well, then I think it's fair grounds to say, well, let's reconsider it, okay? I, I, let's reconsider that. Uh, what about this? Some of you love to play video games, you know? Uh, is, is that cool to do on the, on, the, on the Sabbath? Now, let me just say this. Um, I, I will naturally go to media. I will naturally go to video games, just as, is just, the, like, you know, how I, how I think and how I'm hardwired, but here's the thing, for, 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 for me, certain video games are very addictive. And so um, I play longer than I should, and that when I finally put it down, I'm more stressed out and less rested. So I think we have to reconsider that. That's all I'm saying. Okay, <clears throat> uh, but here's the thing, with, with all these forms of rest, why not talk to the Lord Jesus about it? If he's the Lord of the Sabbath and he knows how to rest you, why don't you kind of work it out with him? Now, speaking of deep play, uh, this summer, if I'm honest, has been one of the most stressful summers. Uh, we had a beloved associate pastor who stepped down, and that was really, really painful. And so when it was time to take a vacation, I was looking forward to the vacation, and then my master muscles just were totally screwed up. And so I started having anxiety attacks about my master muscles. And so it was not restful. It was was just an awful summer, if I'm honest. And so uh, what happened towards the end of my summer, I I went to Connecticut. I was uh, speaking at a conference, and God did a series of miracles. And I just came back just refreshed just spiritually vitalized. And shortly thereafter, uh, Jared and Tiffany came up to me and said that they would like to take our family out for a day on the lake. And I have to say, this was one of the most restful, fun days. You know, probably in my life, actually. It was, it was just so fun. And, uh, and I could tell you what happened, but I think it'd just be better for me just to show you what, what happened. And so, um, so, Tom, can you roll that? Here, go, oh, straight. Stand up. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Woo! There's Christopher again. Stand up, stand Da-da, up. There it is, stand up. Yeah i By the way, Reina's not in that video um, because someone had to drive the boat, so. <laughs> no, uh, Reina said you have to pay to see her. Um. <laughs> there, there is a moment I was just having so much fun that uh, I went to the front of the boat and just had a quiet moment and with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, this day is just incredible fun. Thank you. And at that moment... I felt like I heard the Lord say in my spirit remember that vacation you've been asking me for Well, I give in to you right now and I just started to cry because the Lord he's good he knows how to rest his servants he knows how to rest you Give yourself to him. Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. If anyone knows how to rest your soul, it's him. He's good. Last point. Have you guys ever worked hard for five days and then you came into a day of rest and you just found it very hard to stop? You ever been there? Ever feel like you just can't rest because your heart, your mind is still racing? Doing something gives you identity, and so if you stop doing something, you feel like a nobody, and you feel like you want to be a somebody, and you have to prove yourself so you work. And on that day of rest, you just feel bad. Some of you feel like I try my hardest, and I still feel like I'm not good enough. At the moment that Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, he said three words, it is finished. And then he rested and he gave up his spirit. On the cross, at the end of this great act of redemption, Jesus said, it is finished so that you could rest. The thing that makes you truly weary, this constant desire to prove yourself, to be somebody, to be good enough, that's finished. He is your rest. Jesus says, I am your rest. He has lived the life you should have lived. He has died the death you should have died. And if you rely on the finished work of Jesus, you know that God is satisfied with you. And you can be satisfied with life. You can take a day off. You can get that kind of rest spilled over into the rest of your six days. You desperately need that rest. And only Jesus can give it to you. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come forward. And let's pray. Normally I would ask you to stand. Today, you can just sit. But this time right now in prayer is an invitation for you just to bring yourself to Jesus. At the heart of this message today is a prayer Jesus, you are Lord of the Sabbath. If anyone knows how to rest, it's you. Please help me rest. If you're feeling weary, I just want to invite you right now in your heart just to bring your weariness to Jesus, just to bring the weariness, just say, Lord, I'm tired, would you give me rest? I'll give you just a few moments to do that in the quietness of your heart. You say, Lord, I'm tired, give me rest. Maybe some of you are feeling anxious about something. It's hard to rest because you're worried about something. Your heart is not at ease. Right now, I just want to encourage you to bring that anxiety to Jesus. Just say, this is the problem that I'm facing. This is the thing I'm worried about. This is why my soul can't rest. Just bring that problem to Jesus. some of you you feel like your soul is not at peace it's striving it's striving I just want to encourage you right now to bring your soul to Jesus and say help me rest help me to find peace help me to rest my work on your finished work on the cross help my heart to be at peace because you died in my place. I'll just give you a few moments just to bring the striving of your heart to be stilled by Jesus. And now the last thing, I just want to invite you now, would you all just stand up I just want to pray one last prayer for you and then we'll go into worship. Lord, for all the people that are here, I pray that they would look to you as the Lord of the rest. Our Rest is so inextricably tied to our work. The quality of one spills over into the other. No one knows how to rest like you. You created our bodies. In your cross and in your work is the rest that we desperately need. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak peace and rest into the hearts of everyone here teach everyone to stop striving and to trust in you in your provision, in your work in your goodness let us know you Lord Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath in Jesus name we pray